Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Liverpool.com podcast. My name is Mo Stewart. I'm your host. And it's a miserable day here in the city of Liverpool, but my spirits are lifted slightly by the two men I see in front of me, Matt Addison and James Martin, and also by the subjects of today's podcast. Now, Curtis Jones is someone who I've always been kind of fascinated by, I must admit, but considering he's had his first two appearances of the season within this week, and he crowned one of them with a goal, it feels like a really good time to kind of take a deeper dive into his current status as a Liverpool player, work out maybe his pecking order within the squad, his place within the team, and the kind of ambitions he should have beyond. So, Matt, I'll start with you. Let's rewind it right to the back to the beginning of the season. In fact, before the season even started, and the injury he picked up in the final preseason game. Now, at that point, we already knew that there was going to be some places missing in Liverpool central midfield because of the guys coming back early from the summer tournaments. We know what Curtis is like in terms of his belief in himself. He would have been targeting those games. It was a massive blow for him to be able to miss out on it, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was. And I think it was compounded a lot as well by the injury, uh, or rather the emergence before the injury to, to Harvey Elliott. I think, obviously people's attentions switch very, very quickly. As soon as there's one wonder kid, another one, there's, you know, talk of the next Harvey Elliott and Cade Gordon's come through and things can change very quickly. And I don't, I don't think personally that, that that played really into to Curtis Jones's hands, just in terms of, of the perception of him, obviously, Jurgen Klopp and Pep Liners and all the rest of it will know exactly what they've got on their hands. But yeah, he's, he's a really important player and one that I think it's still sort of up in the air what his long-term position is. But I think, obviously, the fact that they tried to, to mould him a little bit into being Gini Wijnaldum, um, sort of protégé-type thing, um, I think, uh, is is a kind of good sign of, of what's going to happen, at least for, for this season. I think that's mm. that's sort of one eye on on sort of replacing the, the minutes of, of him. And, yeah, the, the injury was, was unfortunate, but it, it was only a, a short-term one. And, obviously, as I say, perceptions change very quickly. Yeah. I think we've, we've now kind of seen mm-hmm. that he is he's going to get minutes he's going to get chances i'd be surprised if he didn't start mm. at least one of, of the next two games obviously then it's an international break but yeah the, the injury to, to tiago has probably benefited him more than than anybody else to be honest yeah and that's the irony of the situation and it's an injury that took him out and it's an injury that might well bring him back in but i want to concentrate a little bit more on what matt was talking about in terms of perception james because Yes, within the confines of Kirby, he'll know exactly what the managers and the coaches think of him. He'll still have that belief. But seeing the way, as Matt mentioned, Elliot came in and hit the ground running and he became the man everyone was talking about. His future place was projected. And let's not forget, he'd come from what we'd expected him to be in a forward position into Curtis's backyard of the midfield. It can't have been easy for him to keep calm while he was seeing Harvey going out there winning nine out of tens and man of the matches every week. Yeah, I mean, it's the nature of the beast, isn't it? Like, you know, you're in a team like Liverpool, who's won the Champions League, the Premier League in the last few seasons. There's always going to be competition, whether that's from a big name who comes in in the transfer market or whether it's from mm. a kind of more unexpected source. And as you say, a very kind of repositioned. Um, youngster who we all thought, like you say, we're thinking, yeah, perfect. He'll get minutes when Salah's rested. He can, you know, pick up the odd start in the African Cup of Nations when when Salah's away with that. Um, and of course, it, it turned out very differently. Yeah, uh, I suppose the thing, yeah, because it's with such an unexpected source, it might maybe have 
have thrown Jones off a little bit more than if someone had come in and it would have been like, right, okay, that's my competition. That's yeah. the that's the one I'm aiming at. But um but equally it's it's nice that Curtis Jones can have that sort of mentor role in a way. Like um because I mean as such a young player you don't normally associate that with him. But then I mean he was he was right there straight away on like um in the comments and stuff on, on Instagram when, when Elliot suffered the injury setback. He's clearly trying to look out for him. Um and it's just yeah, it's that kind of natural progression really in the sense that he'll want Elliot to do well as much as everyone else in the squad. He'll be rooting for him. Um, I don't think his thought process will really be, right, that's my place, he's nicked. It'll be, this is my potential future midfield partner. You know, I mean, they're, they're what, they're, they're 20 and 18 or something, respectively. So when you look at who's ahead of them currently, you've got, you know, Thiago, wrong side of 30. Henderson's the wrong side of 30. Cater is the wrong side of injured. Um, so, yeah, like... <laughs> Yeah, there'll be there'll be opportunities for both of them. It's not an either or. No, that, that's that's an interesting point. You're right, actually. They, he probably is looking at the other end of the the age spectrum for his competition. But you mentioned the transfer window. Obviously, when Genie left, there was lots of talk about Liverpool replacing someone, replacing him with someone, and the fact that they didn't being an issue. Obviously, Matt Curtis was seeing that as an opportunity, but. I do think, and most of us do think, that Liverpool will still bring a midfielder in within the next two windows, I think it's fair to say. With Curtis, do you think his attitude towards it is more a case of, I'm going to keep John Henry's checkbook in his pocket by how well I play? Or is he more laying down a marker so his place in the pecking order before any new man comes in? I think it, it's very much the, the latter. As you say, you'd expect Liverpool to, to get another body in at some point. As, as James mentioned, they've got to sort of address that imbalance in terms of the age. You've got the, the very young and the obviously at the opposite end of the spectrum, James Milner, and then a little bit below him, you know, Jordan Henderson and, and Thiago. So there's not really too much in the middle. The ones in the middle are, are kind of Cater and Oxlade Chamberlain come with kind of question marks of their own. So there's, there is definitely scope for, for at least one midfielder, I would imagine, to, to come in probably next summer rather than in January. But uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting one of, of where he fits in. I think for me, I'd still have one eye on, on playing him in the front three long term. I, ju- I just mm. think that's where he's best. He's most creative. We've seen the goals that he scored. We've seen know creativity the ability to to dribble and, and hold the ball up he can do a kind of Sadio Mane type role on that left hand side if he needs to obviously slightly different type of, of player and, and that sort of thing but I think he is slightly wasted when you bring him you know all the way back and, and take that away from you know the, the creativity of him having seen him a fair bit when he was coming through the, the academy at Liverpool it's it's just it's like a different player when you watch him now it's it's really strange and he is he is very good as a midfielder he's very good at doing that one Alden type thing he's obviously got the footballing intelligence to be able to do that but I do think there's a little bit more scope to, to get a little bit more out of him going the other way so be interesting to see sort of where it lies for me long term it's it's probably a case of slightly more in the front three slightly less in the midfield but mm-hmm. obviously to, to have the ability to do both, just like Harvey Elliott, it's it's probably not the worst thing to be able to get minutes. If they need a midfielder, he can play there. Mm. If they need a forward, well, he can play there as well. It is an interesting conundrum, though, isn't it, James? Because, like, as Matt mentioned, when you're a young player, you're very much just trying to get in where you can fit in. Any minutes are good minutes, and just trying to prove to the manager you can do a job. But the reality is that the most 
eye-catching parts of his recent performances have been in the final third. And it's an issue that we've seen with a lot of English's young creative midfielders at the moment, where you see some of them are playing as forwards, some of them are playing central midfielders, and you wonder which is going to be their best position. We saw against Norwich with Curtis that he was actually starting a lot more withdrawn. He was almost like a number six. And it was an interesting performance because I thought he played very well. But to listen to Jurgen Klopp after the game, it was almost as if he didn't really give him what he wanted. I mean, what are your thoughts on what Matt was saying about him ending up in the forward line? Where do you think his best position will ultimately be? It's a tricky one. And I think you're right to draw parallels to a lot of the young English players coming through at the moment. I think the problem is they're basically all number 10s in a football world where number 10 doesn't even really exist anymore. Um, So, yeah, you've just kind of got to pick your poison because if you put them on the wing, then you lose that some element of their kind of ability to dictate the play. You lose that kind of metronomic role um, and those kind of occasional number 10-esque defence splitting passes. But again, they're harder to come by these days just in terms of how oppositions are setting up. But, you know, they're, they're still, you'll still see them from time to time. Um, it reminds me a lot of the Coutinho conundrum in terms of where you want to play him. Do you want to stick him out on the wing or, or try him in the middle? And there's pros and cons attached to both. Um, I think I'd be surprised if Curtis Jones ended up in the front three. I see what Matt's saying. And he, he watched him a lot more than I did in terms of the youth teams and, yeah, I mean, I've heard only good things about what he did in that more advanced role coming through the system. Uh, but in terms of the senior side, as, as again, Matt touched upon, he's, he's such a different player to someone like a, a Mane. It would require a pretty radical change. If we did see it, it, I think it would probably be in a post-clock world, which, I mean, Jones, you'd have to expect will be around for that. So that's not to say it won't happen. But I, I think we would be looking quite a long way down the line for the time being. I think, yeah, that kind of Vinaldum air sort of situation is is what we'll be looking at. And yeah, with the Norwich game, that was an odd one. Um, I mean, he's not a number six, is he? Like, I mean, we can we can quibble over whether he's a number eight or a winger. He's definitely not a defensive <laughs> midfielder. Um, and yeah, it, you're right. It did look like he was doing quite well. He was influencing the game. But on the flip side of that, when he moved further forward and Tyler Morton came in as the number six, mm-hmm. we looked a lot more secure. And, you know, this is someone with his you know, having his first taste of senior football and he, he made things look a lot more safe at the back than when we were when we were trying Curtis Jones there. So um yeah, that I means I, I don't really want to see that experiment too many times. <laughs> well I feel like it puts him in a really difficult position because you've got him kind of fighting against his natural creative instincts. And as a young player coming into a team, having the discipline to be able to do the team job over being able to maybe highlight what you can do. It's always going to be that hardest part of maturing that. And I think obviously we've kind of made mention of Curtis's attitude and his confidence and the fact that that is really a good thing the majority of the time. Is it going to be something you think he's going to be battling against for like the most of his career in terms of having to hold himself back in certain situations, certain times? Or is this just the growing pains that all young players go through? I think it's a tough one to predict, to be honest. I think if if you could get that balance between him doing what Wijnaldum does, but also having those flashes of, of creativity, I think that's something that, that Jurgen Klopp will have his eye on. It's just a case of whether he can take that step. I think he was very, very creative, didn't do much defending when he was a youngster. Now he's gone the other way. It's It's kind of like finding that, perfect balance in the middle where he does 
the Wijnaldum role, but also the other bit, which I think is is basically what Naby Keita should have been had he not been injured so much. So I think it's, it, it is sort of the perfect position for him if he can do that. My worry would be that he just never quite has the the ability and, and the ceiling to get to that level of being what is basically an impossible task in, in the midfield to do everything all of the time is, is very, very hard. So not not being able to get to that level is, is not to say that he can't become a really, really good footballer. And he already is a really mm. good footballer. But I just think it's it, it, that that's probably what Jurgen Klopp has got his eye on. If if it comes together, if it's perfect, and if he's got the ceiling to, to be able to do it, it could be the absolute perfect Jurgen Klopp number eight, where he does a bit of everything. But it's just the case of... Does he ever get to that point? And if not, that's where I think he, he will then move into the front three because ultimately his attacking qualities are better than his defensive qualities. And if you can't have both, I'd probably go with the, the former. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think that's a fair point. And something we probably kind of take for granted is how difficult it is to actually play midfield for Jurgen Klopp. Because... From the outside world, a lot of people will live or die by the numbers. They don't get enough goals. They don't get enough assists, blah, 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 blah. But we as Liverpool fans who watch the games in week in, week out, we know what they're doing. We know exactly how hard it is to do what they're doing. And I think for Curtis James, the fact that his role has shifted from week to week, sometimes in the middle of games, can it be a bit of an issue whereby... He's putting them, being put in a position that does the best for the team, i.e., like Matt mentioned, when Naby's not around, he's been doing the Naby job, which was essentially the genie job, at the potential cost of his own development as a player within himself. Yeah, it's a possibility, and one Klopp's going to be aware of, I think, and he'll definitely be keen to avoid that because, I mean, I mean, every coach wants the best for their, you know, their young players, but Klopp in particular will be mindful that he won't want to hurt any of his, his players in pursuit of team success. He'll want team success as much as anyone, but he's he's not going to ask anyone to do something that's going to sacrifice their career in any way. But um, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, it's, it's, I found myself semi-disagreeing with Matt more than ever before on one of these shows, I think. I mean, <laughs> normally, we just say the exact same thing. But um, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a comment on Curtis Jones that he can't do that sort of Vinealdum unleashed role because I don't think it really exists. I mean, was Brentford not kind of a, a Vinealdum unleashed sort of role for him? And then mm. look what happens. We concede three. Like you, it's 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 just it's impossible for someone to do all of that. That's why Vinealdum would just have hardly any creative impact and then he'd go away with the Netherlands and bang in a brace seemingly every time there was an international break. Like it's if you let them off the chain, then they'll they have the ability to to affect the game going forward. But it's such it's such a sort of defensive role. Like calling it num- a number eight doesn't really do it justice because mm. you, you think in your head it's like oh Fabinho's the defensive mid, so the other two can get forward. They'll be they'll be contributing going forward. But but that's not their main role at all. They're almost like auxiliary fullbacks because they're slotting in to protect Trent and to protect Robertson who are bombing up the other way. Mm. Um, the only sort of creative job they have is progressing the ball. So, you know, they'll they'll take it from deep and they'll move it forward and then they'll get rid of it. And it won't be the final pass before the goal. It'll be just something to get the ball rolling I mean, in a literal sense for starting starting off a move. Like that's and yeah, if you want them to if you want them to produce more in an attacking role, this is where I very much agree with Matt, is that you will have to stick him in the front line. That's 
that's the only way of doing it. I just don't think that's a Curtis Jones thing. I think that's a Liverpool midfield thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you might be... Sorry, go ahead. No, it, I was just going to say, it sort of reminds me of, of Jude Bellingham when he decided that he wanted to be number 22. That was because his coaches said he should be a number four, a number eight and a number 10, four being what we would call the six. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, you, you can't be all three at the same time. You, you do have to pick one ultimately, don't you? You do. And I think that sometimes when you're as when you've got a talent profile like Bellingham, it's almost as if it kind of depends on the team he ends up with as to which it will be, where their space is. When you've got someone like Curtis, I feel like he wants that to be the case very much so that he, he is able to develop in the same way. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, I'm interested in the idea of the formation change as well, because one of the things that we haven't really discussed in terms of the development of him is the makeup of the team. Obviously, we're all still sitting here under the guise that we have a front three and we'll continue to have a front three for as long as they're there. But maybe as they maybe start to get towards the end of their careers, that is an evolution of the side that maybe we start looking at twos and maybe we start looking at maybe the kind of number 10-ish role that we didn't have in previous years, James. I know that very much the idea was that Klopp threw out the number 10 baby with the bathwater when he got rid of Coutinho. But do you think it's something that he can still play with? I mean, obviously he had the likes of Shinji Kagawa, his time with Bruce Dortmund, I think Mkhitaryan as well. So it's not like he hates all number 10s. It could yeah. be something in the future. Yeah, and I mean, Goethe being the, the absolute archetypal Klopp number 10 back in the day. Um, but... Yeah, I don't think it was necessarily a Coutinho baby and bathwater situation in the sense that he wasn't even really getting played at number 10 by Klopp either. He would mostly be popping up on the wing. He'd sometimes be in the eight. But again, was he ever really in the 10? I associate that more with Brendan Rodgers, to be honest with you. Um, but yeah, it's. I, I'd like to see it tried again. I'm, I, I'm even just... Looking away from Liverpool, I'm, uh, I love that position in the game of football. Just aesthetically, it's it's pleasing to watch. And I understand that, you know, tactically things move on. And, of course, every manager is not going to care if it's looking nice as long as it's effective. So, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a question to be considered. And I think maybe with the kind of the way things have shifted towards with so many sort of big teams versus small teams dynamics in all of the leagues across Europe. There are so many games where it's just low block against against creative team. I do think maybe we'll see something of a resurgence in the 10 where you, you are trying to pack that middle of the park with creative players. You can just kind of weave a way through because it's the only way to break teams down. Um, and in that case, maybe, maybe, yeah, that's something Liverpool can try and it's something that would work well for Curtis Jones. Um, it's, the trouble is, if that if there is that kind of resurgence, it's it's a big ask because the, the whole thing with the the number ten traditionally is that they they're the kind of moments of magic players who you do have to you have to kind of carry and then hope that they'll mm. they'll pu- pull something out of the bag. So if if it does come back into fashion, which I hope it does, because everyone loves those moments of magic, then you really do need to have a pretty special player in there. Otherwise, it's not going to work, particularly in a clock team. You, you mm. just can't have passengers. So, yeah. I mean, I think most of us, as soon as you were talking about that, were, were considering a certain tall Frenchman who doesn't live a million miles away from here and considering the kind of thing that Jurgen Klopp would do with him. And I think you're probably right. So let's think a little bit more about the present day. Um, now, Curtis made 34 appearances in all competitions last season, 
although the majority of them did come well they were in a couple of blocks i think it's fair to say towards the end of the season map when it looked like liverpool hit upon their stride and a little bit more of a settled side he was kind of on the outside do you think considering so many variables are involved in terms of how we do in those domestic cups and what the injury landscape looks like do you think he should be setting himself appearance targets or is it one of those things where he just needs to concentrate on what he does when he does get his chance? I think he'll have a, a target in his head. I think the important thing to remember last season is even though we didn't see a huge amount of him after March, he'd still played way more minutes than any of us thought he was going to mm-hmm. heading into that season. So he'd still played probably twice as much as, as what even he could have expected at the start of the season. Even at the end, it, it was slightly frustrating for him to, to not get minutes, but he'd already played way in excess of, of what he would have imagined he would have been doing. So I think if he has a similar season this season, that'd be, be absolutely fine. I think obviously there's kind of a little bit of an expectation that he's one of the players that will help replace Genie Wijnaldum's minutes. But then you've got other players that, that will come back. Fabinho is now in midfield rather than defence. Thiago hopefully won't be as injury prone as, as what he was at times last season. So there's there's a few players. He is one of them, but it's not going to be a case of, I think Genie Wijnaldum played, what, 52, 53 times last season. It's not going to be a case that all of those minutes suddenly go to one player. They're going to be spread out and, and Kurtz will be one of those. So yeah, I'd be surprised if, if he ends up playing less than, than what he did last season, but I don't think it's going to be massively more. I think it's it's going to be fairly similar, steady progress, impress, as you say, whenever he gets the opportunity and wherever it is on the pitch, you know, that'll that'll be fine for him for for his development. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the, there was a few sort of knee-jerk reactions of people panicking that he's not going to get minutes. I think that the sort of injuries that we've seen over the past week or so have, have probably <laughs> disproven that. So yeah, there, there'll be plenty of... Well, I mean availability might actually be his biggest and best quality this season because that might be the thing that gets him in the team. Um, The games where he probably is a lot more likely to expect to start are the domestic cups, James. And I've got this image in my mind of Curtis Jones wearing the armband, leading a young band to Wembley, winning a trophy and using that momentum to kick on and really taking on the next phase of his Liverpool career. Am I just being fantastical? Do you think this could really be something that happens? Well, I mean, I like the sound of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's like I was touching on earlier in terms of that kind of unlikely role model function that he can have early in his career, because if his minutes do come in the domestic cuts, then yeah, he will likely be one of the more experienced heads in there, not just in terms of age, but in terms of his senior minutes so far. Because uh, as Matt said, he played a lot more than people were really expecting last season. He's got a lot of match experience in like proper competitive games under his belt. So, yeah, and he's it's he's a difference maker as well. We saw it when he did play in the domestic cups last last season. I think it was, it might have been mm-hmm. the season before, but the goal against Everton anyway. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, there's no reason why he couldn't lead us to a little bit of success in, in the domestic cups. We've got a nicer draw than usual in the next round of the, uh, the EFL Cup, the Carabao mm-hmm. Cup. Um, so yeah, win that, and I think it's only what two games from Wembley or something like that. It's it's not the longest of cup competitions. So yeah, I don't think it's totally within the the realms of fantasy from you. Um, it depends on the cup draw to some extent. If we come up against you know a, a city or something, if assuming we get past Preston, then and then Klopp decides to put out a, a youth 
oriented team again then yeah mm. we're probably going to get played off the park let's we have to be realistic about that but um yeah with a, with a couple of favorable draws and a couple of good performances on on the days then then yeah mm. but, i mean why not and it would definitely be be good for his progression in terms of taking on that responsibility and yeah stepping up to the plate I, I mean, I, I'm always going to be optimistic about the future. I think that we do really have a chance in both domestic cups. When you consider the timing of the FA Cup, obviously in January, it's at a time we're going to have a couple of players away, obviously Naby Keita, probably, as well as Salah Amane. So that looks like a time for him to really kind of showcase himself, so to speak, Matt, doesn't it? If he, even if he gets to maybe Christmas time and he hasn't featured as much as he'd like, he'll probably be having some big red pen all around some fixes in January. Yeah, it's that's that's what he needs, isn't it, to an extent. It's it's hard to to make a case to put him in for a consistent five, six game spell. But I think if ever that's gonna happen, it's it's gonna be in January, isn't it? With a couple of players missing, lots of fixtures there. As James said, you'd fancy him to sort of captain a, a young side if there's a decent sort of Anfield game in the FA Cup. What was that? The the first weekend of of January, I think, isn't it? That that, that that's played if you assume that Liverpool get through then there's another one to look forward to there's kind of yeah the, the, there's an opportunity there and I think it's it's something that he will look at and that's to a, a certain degree why I think it'll be a similar season this season for him to last I think you know we saw last season there was spells where he played a lot and then not so much in, in other bits I think it's it's going to be similar that that January period is is a classic example but what you've got to hope and what he'll hope is that if he does get five or six games in a row he impresses enough so that after those five or six games, he's not just thrown back out. It's a case of of sort of rotating him in and, and keeping him in there mm. on mirror. Definitely. And <clears throat> he's an ambitious young lad. We all know this. And I think that he has the ability to be able to go out and achieve those aims. So one final point I wanted to bring in, James. What kind of targets do you think he should be setting himself in terms of goals and assists? Because let's face it, the the Football landscape in 2021 is still dominated by those two numbers. If you really want to make an impact in people's minds, you need to be doing things along those lines. So not bearing in mind, we don't know how many appearances he's going to make. It does appear like his attacking instincts have increased. He's got off the mark against Brentford. How many do you think he can get over the course of a season? It's, it's so tricky because what we were talking about earlier with Klopp's midfield, like, I, I, there's just, they're just not the relevant targets. Like, it's, if, assuming he stays as a number eight, it's, it, it, Klopp won't care if he doesn't get any more goals or assists for the rest of the season if he puts in the kind of Vinaldo-esque performances we were seeing. And I mean, obviously, we're going to look at his own spin on the role. We're not just asking him to be a Vinaldo clone. There's things he could do better. There's things which he won't be able to do. But, but yeah, it's, I don't think it's what he's in there to do if he stays in the role where Klotz playing him at the moment. Like you say, even when he looks like he's doing well and is impacting things going forward, you get comments from the manager which seem to suggest that he's not been the happiest with with how he's carried out the tactical instructions. So, I mean, I won't boycott your question because that seems a bit, <laughs> that seems a bit extreme. I'll give you an answer, but like, he'll be... Him personally, he'll be setting the target. Maybe he'll want to get to maybe five league goals. And, you know, if he, if he gets maybe three assists to go with it, he'll probably be happy enough with that, depending on game time, of course. But it's, it's, it's not going to be going crazy in terms of what he's looking for. But yeah, in terms of what Klopp wants from him, I don't think he'll be looking at those columns whatsoever. Mm. So, so yeah. No, that is a very Jürgen answer. And I'm not going <laughs> to poo-poo it 
simply for that reason. Now, Matt, as, as James mentioned previously, you have seen a lot more of him than us. You've seen him a long way through his progression from the early days. The chances are, despite what James says, he will be setting himself a target. Do you have an inkling of where do you think it should be or where do you think it would be? Well, knowing Curtis's character, I think his uh, his targets will be far, far, far higher than what James has, has put forward there. I think, uh, I think he, yeah, he'll have, he'll no doubt have uh, in his head an idea of, of goals, assists, games, minutes. He'll have it all mapped out. It's it's just a case of you know which position does he play the most in. If he plays in the front three, then obviously those targets go up. If he plays in midfield, it's it's maybe less important. But I think, yeah, to to him. Every single week that he's not in the team, he'll be gutted. Every single week that he doesn't score, he'll be gutted. That that's just the kind of of player that he is, and that was something that that Liverpool's youth coaches worked a lot with him actually in his last season or his last two seasons really of of playing for for the under twenty threes. There was two bits that that they worked on. One was captaincy, and he was under twenty threes captain, and it was about leadership, and it was about not just you doing your game and and playing really well, but how can you help. The other players do really well, which I think is the perfect sort of midfield Gini Wijnaldum type role within a, a team. And and the other thing was, you know, goals and assists and, and making sure that it's not just flicks and tricks and step overs and, and stuff like that, which he'd always been brilliant at. It's a case of, well, are you doing that just to show off or are you doing that so that you can generate a bit of space and, and find the back of the net? So it's it, it's two, two very big parts of his game, actually, that we've spoken about there in terms of, of leadership and, and numbers. He'll, he'll no doubt have very lofty ambitions that probably would be impossible to match this season. But I think, yeah, the, the, there is a player in there that can score 10 goals a season at, at some point, whether that's this season, not quite sure just yet. Well, Curtis, if you're listening, I'm telling you, dream as big as you can. Seriously, there's absolutely nothing wrong with dreaming for the stars and not quite making it. I hope you are listening because you'd have heard half an hour of us all bigging you up. And... <laughs> Projecting a, a fantastic future for you in the Liverpool midfield. Uh, Matt, James, I've enjoyed this very, very much. To all of you listening, I hope you have as well. We'll see you all again next week.